Hello and welcome to All Emotion. I am your host, Jake Harrison. This is episode five, Overcoming Adversity. Thank you all for taking the time to join us this Saturday evening. We have here something very, very, very powerful with a powerful story today. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from the Boogie Down Bronx, the home and the birthplace of hip-hop. Ladies and gentlemen, Juan Pereira. How you doing? How we doing, sir? Doing good, man. Doing good. Nice to see you. Tell me, tell me, what's going on with you? Not much, man. You know, just doing uh, the same old routine, uh, working from home and, you know, trying to uh, prevent myself from gaining all this quarantine weight. Yeah, man, but I'm happy to be here, man. How are you? Good, good. So tell me, what do you think about the uh, the title, Overcoming Adversity? Because this, this is your show, and also I know it applies to you and what we're going to dive into. So Overcoming Adversity, the first thing I think what comes to mind is typically what everyone in this world, in this country, is, is in, inevitable. The things that we will encounter is just adversities. It's trials and tribulations. And I think it's something that uh, can bring people together and that, you know, we, we can all relate to. Right. So I w- want to get into it. Uh, what do you think about growing up? Uh, I know you live in Maryland now, but get into a little bit about growing up in the South Bronx. What was that like back then? It was a, a mixture of feelings. It was, I had a lot of good childhood memories. You know, one thing about the Bronx is... It really kept me on my toes. They they don't call it a concrete jungle for no reason. The cons of of living in the Bronx is again the concrete jungle. It's a matter of, it's a matter of survival. Right. You have to survive out there. One thing, one memory that I have in my childhood when I moved to the suburbs from the Bronx was just how quiet it was. Right. The crickets. You don't hear the the loud boombox outside. You don't hear kids past 11 p.m. on a school night running around. You know, it's the the tranquility. It was something different for me, and I really I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed leaving the Bronx. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> and everyone in the Bronx wants to get out. Right. So, <laughs> can you explain? Because not just in in in, Bron- in in the Bronx, but Everyone from outside that doesn't ever heard of, can you explain to the audience what it means, uh, why they call it in general, like in New York, uh, not just in all boroughs, but why do they call it the concrete jungle? In my opinion, well, think of an actual jungle. Think of prey and predator. That's a good, wow, that's deep. <laughs> you could go, we, we would need a couple more hours for that conversation. In <laughs> <laughs> that aspect, you know, are you going to be the prey? Or are you going to be the predator? Are you, if you are the prey, are your instincts going to kick in? Are you going to, what, what response are you going to have, flight or fight? And and that's kind of the the same, like, animal kingdom that you, you experience in in the Bronx. You know, it's you it's, it's really a matter of survival. Um, you grow up fast, even as, as a child. I remember... As a kid, you know, we're playing in the playground and I had my Power Ranger toys and these other kids, a group of kids that we didn't know, that my friends and I didn't know. Um, they saw my toy, they had their eye on it. And then, you know, this is where I knew, this is where I knew this, you know, my first experience with uh, surviving was with those kids. They came up to me like, can I play with your toy? 
I'll give you a dollar just to play with it. Uh, how no, just how old were you at this time? I had to have been like seven years old. So we're talking about like maybe early nineties. Yeah. Mm, mid nineties. Mid nineties. Okay. Yeah. This was a pro this was a post uh Biggie. Big Pun was around. Uh Big Pun was a Big Pun was around and Fat Joe was there. <laughs> Fat Joe. <laughs> J Lo, right? J Lo's from the Bronx. She was still Jenny from the block. Right. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm just trying to give the audience some context. That's all. Yeah. This is uh man. I, I'll never forget the '90s. But but go, going back to the, the survival, my friends were like, "Don't do it." Right. Don't do it. And me, naive, you know, and wanting to be the the people pleaser, I gave them the toy, and in the blink of an eye, I lost track of them. And then when I turned around, the kids were gone. Wow. It's 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 a uh, survival of the fittest. And I wasn't the fittest at that moment, but you know, the as you grow up, that damn city molds you. It molds you into. Uh, it hardens you. You know, and and, and now I, I understand it. Now I understand like when I come up, when I walk, when like you walk past uh, a group of dudes, they always look mad. Right. They always look like they want to fight. Right. You know, when is that I, just the Bronx? Do you think that's in Brooklyn and also maybe some parts of Manhattan and I think I and, think uh, Queens. I think, I think that's a a thing with cities that are forgotten. I I didn't understand why all these project buildings existed, uh, why all these abandoned buildings existed. Right. You know, the Bronx, all these buildings back. Uh, well, what was that era? The the Great Depression during right. the, around the nineteen the late twenties, early thirties. All right. the, all right. these buildings were built. You know, because the in, industry, the the industrial industry was booming. Right. So they build all these buildings, you know, to to house all these workers. Right. When the economy collapsed, there was no one to occupy these uh, units. Right. So they were abandoned. They were burned down, and then time time tells tells the rest. It's funny because uh, I haven't been to the Bronx in a long time until like a couple of weeks ago, and you know gentrification is everywhere. We were seeing it here in, in Virginia, Maryland, D.C., but to see it in the South Bronx, dude, I, I was seeing brand new high-rise uh, apartment buildings. Like, it felt like I was in Tyson's Corner, you know? It was just so luxurious, and I'm like, I never in a million years expected this to be in the South Bronx. Right. So, it's, it's just, it, you have these cranes building all these uh, luxury apartments and condos, and right next to them, you got these junky ass buildings. So it, it was a uh, it was it was different for me. So you you moved and you transitioned at what age? Do you remember the time when you moved from you and your your, your family from from Bronx to, to Maryland? Correct. Yeah, it was the year before two um, K. Well, what was that Millennium? Two K. I think it was around two thousand. I believe so, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, so, something like that. But I, I moved ninety eight, ninety nine. Right, right around there. Yeah. No, the November '98 going into '99, right. I, I had to have been 11 years old, and my mom just. So this is what happened. My my uncle who lived in Maryland came to visit us in New York, and convinced my mom to move us up to 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 Maryland, and it didn't take much. We we got a, we got the U-Haul. We loaded all our stuff, and we we came to to Maryland, and with no plan. No freaking plan. We moved into an apartment with uh, with that that was being like shared with like three other people. Um, it felt like it happened so fast. Right. Yeah. 
So the next thing I want to get into, we, you and I spoke about, and it was just, it's very, uh, it's very touching, and we spoke about it. So you and I share something in common. It's about uh, mental illness. It's about your father, my father, uh, your brother, and my uncle. I want to know if you want to, you're still cool with diving into it and speaking about that. Let's go. So my father committed suicide when I was two years old, and I understand that your father also the same, correct? Yeah, my father committed suicide when I was 21. Um, you know, it, my, my father has been in and out of jail, like, throughout most of my childhood. And reflecting on all the times that him and I spoke, I kind of understood why. Um, he liked the fast money. Right. You know, he was always um, always getting caught up in, in, in legal actions and... Uh, illegal troubles and you know if if he'll if 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 he's uh if he's locked up for a certain amount of time you know when he gets out it's it's almost um in a, in a, a short span amount of time he'll go right back in you know um i didn't understand why but now i i understand why i you know my father my father was was a drug addict right my father was smart my father was a businessman. He owned like two, three bodegas at the same time. He knew how to make, he knew how to quadruple a twenty dollar bill. What's crazy, man? He he was he was really smart, very analytical, but he had the wrong. He hung out with the wrong crowd, right? And you know he was easily influenced. And one thing about our family is, you know, we have drug addiction is is very common. In, in that side of the family, my father's side, right, and um, you know, we saw it with my uncle, we saw it with um, his brother, which is my father, and um, well, my uncle passed away too. Um, he passed away, and related to 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 drugs, my father passed away. Uh, he, you know, he committed suicide in the bathroom a little bit after he he got out of jail. Uh, you know, it, it, it hurts me because, like, to think about it, because when when he got out, you know, I was like 18, 19 at the time. I, was, I held a little grudge on him because I most of my childhood he wasn't there. I had to grow up without him. And now that he's out, you know, he called me and wanted to speak with me. And I was just being hard-headed. I was like, oh, now you want to be in the picture? Right. And I was kind of like uh, ignoring him. And I will never forget that one call. Um, it was right. I got I got I got out of work. It was like six thirty in the in the, in the evening. The call comes in, and I'm walking to my car, and I just ignore it. And that was the last call that ever came from him. And um, a couple of days later, I found out from my my other uncle that he had passed away. He had hung himself in in the bathroom. I'm so sorry, man. It's, it's cool. It, honestly, it would have it would have uh, hurt me a lot more if he was in my life. I never knew my father when he did that when I was two. So to re- that, that's why I want to bring this up in front of the whole audience and to hopefully reach as many people as you you and I can, because it happened when I was two. My, I never knew him. My sister and my mom did, but my side being Jewish, 
Dude, just to be honest, we suffer from, we're predisposed to depression. That's why all the issues that I've been in personally, and, and I can speak uh, you know, all the stuff that I've been through. And that's why this is probably the, regardless of how successful this podcast is, this is the most important because this addresses mental illness, number one, and how serious it is and people not speaking about it, not just in the States, but around the world. And I appreciate you sharing that. And the last thing I just wanted to touch on was, uh, you know, I see how it affected my mom and my sister uh, and the rest of the family. But the, also my the p- last part of the question was you and I, you have your brother, if you don't want me bring it up. My dad's twin brother is schizophrenic mm-hmm. and your, your brother's also schizophrenic. Yeah. And I know you've done a lot to be there for him. And, and uh, you know, it, it's very it's challenging for yourself. And it, it puts a lot of strain on you. It was it's been a roller coaster these, this past decade, you know, because uh, when when we first started seeing the signs of my brother developing, you know, like something even remotely close to to an illness, I I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what was, what was going on. Is it drug-induced? Is this something that's occurring naturally in the brain or maybe all the above? Um, it, it, was, it was scary. Um, you know, I remember the first time checking him into the hospital and doctors didn't know uh, what, what what to do, how to diagnose him. And, you know, you can't blame them because this is the first time they see him. But they could all they could do is put a label on his on his symptoms. And that was the that was the start. Psychosis, confusion, you know, losing touch uh, with reality. Uh, I think the big thing, like my uncle, is like I remember growing up with my uncle, and I could just share this with you. When my grandfather used to watch me, he would just have these episodes, and it would scare me. He'd like like have these dreams, would start screaming at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like freak out, like in the middle of the night. And I was like, I was a kid. I was like eight, nine years old. And I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And then I realized later in life, like, uh, you know, it's, it's just, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a very serious, serious illness. In the middle of the been the biggest thing is that you hear voices. That's, that's schizophrenia for the most part. It's, is that. I remember, I remember sitting in the living room watching a football game and my little brother, he'll just, he'll just, uh, watch watch the television and I, I look I look I look him right in his face I'm looking right at his face and he's not there he's not paying attention to the TV right and then I don't know where he'll start he'll start laughing hysterically and no one else is laughing it's just him right and right, I, right right and, right and I'm right. like you didn't you didn't understand it right away I didn't understand I was like right. shut up <laughs> I was like, what the hell is wrong with you shut the hell up right and um and and the laugh, the laughing got more intense. It got stronger, and you know we had guests over, so it was freaking. So people, me out. you kind of felt uncomfortable because the guests probably were like, "What's going on, right?" What is going on? And you know he was so the laughing was one thing, and then he couldn't stop looking at people. He would like every time I I turned to look at him, he's staring at me. What's the and not that what's the, is there a big age difference between y'all? About four years, and you're older. And I'm older, so he's, right. yeah. He's, but he does look up to you, though, in a sense. I'm the oldest child right. with, with uh, no father. I was a dad. Right? Yeah. I was a father to my, my sister and my brother. Right. Yeah. And at least, how were you able to take care of your mother and your brother, man? You know, sometimes I feel like I could have done more. Um, but I, I, I could only do with what I knew best. And, you know, it, it's hard for... 
for a kid at that time my age, you know, in my adolescence to to have to step up and kind of lose your childhood, you know, to to fill in that, to, to fill in the void. You know, I had to be the I had to be the one that was resourceful. Right. I had to be the problem solver. And you had to basically, you know, you had to grow up like 10 plus 15 years and you never really got to experience and I'm not saying you didn't, but it a lot of people never have to do that. Become like grow up 10 or 15 years and become that role model and that parent. Not only are you taking care of your brother, you're taking care of your mother. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it expedited the, the clock for me. And it, it, and I'm proud because it, it, it molded me into the person I am now. You know, it made me, as cliche as it sounds, it made me a, a strong, you know, individual. And, you know, whenever I, I encounter any difficult situations, I'm like, I, to me, been there, done that. I've been through worse. Right. And so it, 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 I'm able to cope much easier. And it, it, it has helped me uh, throughout, throughout my childhood, throughout my, my young 20s. You know, experiencing having to to grow up at such a expedited rate, you know, it has helped with all the other things that, that went on in my life. So when you moved here from the Bronx, not not stepping back, I just kind of want to understand because I I never I lived in Pennsylvania. I did move down here, but nothing like I can't compare the experience from what you've been through. But I mean, you got yellow cabs and then you got the horse and carriage. If we, well, if, we, if we go to Pennsylvania and, uh, and Lancaster, we do have the Amish. <laughs> you, are you familiar? We got the Amish here in Maryland. <laughs> yeah, we do, right? Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, I mean, it's just like it's like uh, it's like the Twilight Zone. It's like you know, you walk into like a like, seriously leaving the Bronx, coming to Maryland. Now you go, you grew up in uh, the, 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 the correct me if I'm wrong, Langley Park. That when you first moved from the Bronx to, to Maryland? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Mostly yes. Oh, dude, when we moved uh, to Maryland, we, we moved to Silver Spring, but it was on the border of um, Prince George's County. Um, to be exact, it's like Flower Avenue. Okay. So it was, it was Montgomery County, the, 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 uh, the profound county of Maryland. Uh, but Langley Park is Prince George's County, which was probably like half a mile from where I moved in. Okay. Langley Park... Um, or, or Flower Ave, Silver Spring. That's like the port of entry for anyone moving outside of Maryland to Maryland. Now, I have a question real quick. Not, not just to your point, if that's okay. Yeah. There's a, there are there are a lot of people that transition from, let's say, New York. And you're, from, from your experience, that have done, like come from New York, that went the route, like going through Maryland. Have you seen that? As, it, um, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, things that can factor into that like um race has a, a big play in that where are you originally from your background where are you from oh so i'm sorry um, i should that, ask that for, that's, no. my, that's my fault that's my fault how dare you i know i i <laughs> damn it we're running out of time i want to get everything so much so much uh, good information <laughs> all right so my mom is honduran okay and my father's uh dominican okay from the dominican republic yeah so like um i guess it has a lot to do with um Doing what what people what what people are familiar with, or they're following the advice or the footsteps of other people who have gone through that journey. So Langley Park, you know, a lot of people um, have is a it's a high immigrant population. 
you know, it's it's a, a community of of Latinos and and in other races too. But around that time, it's mostly Latinos, and you know, there was already there was like an internal checklist that you know that people people knew. You know, you you move in, find a place, find work. Uh, if you got kids, enroll them into school, and you know, if you got to share um, ten people in, in, in a two bedroom apartment, so be it. Even if it's temporarily, you know, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta do what you gotta do. So, how many people live in it when you moved here? How many people were living in a, a space when you first when you first moved here to Maryland? When I first moved in, um, it was. It, so it was my brother, my sister, my mom, and I, my uncle, and I think there were two other two other dudes. And you know, thinking back, I'm like, Shh, that is not ideal. <laughs> but so total like what ten people in an apartment? Yeah, and you know, I'm like, damn, like I can't even, I can't even. Uh, sh- I can't see, even a share. lot of people don't see that in America. A lot of people. This is this is this is. We need to speak real quick about this. A lot of people don't get that. Yeah, you know what I mean. People, they don't they don't understand what it's like to just have to just survive and and you and the difference. Correct me if I'm wrong. Not just you know Guatemalan, Salvadorian, Honduran, Dominican. Like the the culture and the the respect. They're a lot closer in terms of the culture. And you come to America, it's just like everybody for themselves, you know. So that's what I mean. In the point, yeah, it sucks living with 10, 15 people, but you like all loved each other and somehow made it work and got along, right? For the most part, yeah. <laughs> now you know uh, when you when we were uh, living there, you know we, these these dudes they they had their blue collar weekends, you know, and then and the, it could have been better without the alcohol, without the without the uh, the, the drunkenness, but you know we, we we made we made the best of it. You know they they were good people all around. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, don't get me wrong, like shit. Now I work from home. You know, I have my my office. Uh, Adriana, you know, my my girl, she has her office. We we have our space. I I I, I love my solitude. I love you know having my space. So, but yeah. thinking back back then, yeah, how we were cramped. That oh, shit is horrible. <laughs> so just just walk. We'll get to that in a minute. And we we have we had a decent amount of time. We got 30, 30, 40 minutes left. But get get to that like that transition then from living in the house with with your relatives. So. You were about, okay, I'm just going to correct me if I'm wrong, try to follow a timeline here. So we moved here, uh, you said late, 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 late 90s to, to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lived in, we lived in, uh, was it Silver, Silver Spring? Yep. Silver Spring, okay, lived in a house or condo or, excuse me, apartment. Now, after that, what, what did you move? You moved to where? All right, so after the, the first apartment, um, we actually had to to leave the first apartment, and we had to, and it wasn't by choice. the The, the landlord he had a, a a strict no pet policy, and y'all had some pets. We had a pomeranian. We had, we had a, like a dog, a lion, or a, had, or a, a, a pig. We had to leave the lion in, in in the jungle. What kind of what kind of pets <laughs> did we have in the house? Or the apartment. It was a pomeranian, bro. So they're loud, right? It was a, a they bark a lot, right? I think. Uh, they, you know, not, ours didn't, you know, he, he, but you know, someone's not gonna do it, yeah. But it, it, it's tolerable, right? Um, but he had a, a strict no pet policy, and you know, we didn't want to get rid of him, so we, it was, uh, 
the choice was to to move out and we uh damn i don't know how my mom did this but my mom she was able to find someone who was willing to um share the bedroom out to a single mother with three kids and it was a a, a friend from from church and my mom and my sister slept in the room the bedroom and my brother and i slept in the pullout couch and we did that for about a year, a year and a half. Yeah. In terms of like when you came from the Bronx to, to Maryland, taking care of your brother and your mom, I know you kind of spoke on it. Can you go in and, you know, a little bit more detail in, in, in terms? Because I, I know that, in, 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 you know, number one, I, I want you to feel comfortable sharing about it because I, I know you busted your ass really taking care of them. So I, do you, could you speak any more just a little bit about that? Like what, what that entailed at all? So, you know, I, I used to hold a huge grudge on my mom because I would always think like, why are you so bad at planning? Why are you so bad at saving? You know, why are you such a procrastinator? And now I, 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 you know, I reflect on 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 that, and it's not it's not her fault. My mom grew up, you know, with a lot of childhood trauma. You know, she was abandoned as a child. You know, she had to experience uh, rape several times. Um, you know, mental illness is, was also uh, prevalent on on my mom's side of the family. So she she had it hard too. She and I I, I can't be mad at her. You know, I can't. I used to be so angry. Like, why, you know, why couldn't you teach me what a 401k was? Why couldn't you, you know, do things that put you on the right path? And, and I would always compare her to other moms. And that's, that's bad. That's so bad because they don't have the same background. Come, with everybody, like, I can tell you right now, my mom came yeah. from, what's the, the, the term they use? A different cloth, right? Yeah, you know what She's I mean. Cut from a different cloth. Yeah, th- exactly. But that doesn't make either. Trust me, doesn't make my mom better than your mom, or your mom better than my mom. Doesn't matter. But in regards to number one education, doesn't matter their upbringing. Doesn't matter. We all are humans, and we're all here to learn and grow. And that's the whole idea of this podcast. To be honest with you, yeah. is to get is for you or whoever comes on here, even myself. That's why I told people in the beginning. A lot of people here. Just didn't understand. Like I didn't rush my first episode, but I brought out my father's suicide, and I wanted to do that for you because it created the perfect opportunity to speak about mental illness. And your story is amazing. So I, I think you know, um, you know, it's it's awesome that. Um, but going forward, did you want to continue about like your brother, and then just because I know you did more in terms of taking care of them and and financially too. I think so, right? Yeah, with uh, my brother. You know, I was trying to figure out how could I help my brother, and the only thing I knew, you know, how to how to get a good start was to do as much research as as I could on what he was dealing with. And when I when we got the the diagnose the diagnosis that he was schizophrenic, I researched the crap out of it. I you know I learned you know what's common. I know I learned that like what's common with. Uh, that diagnosis for, you know, whether you're born with it or you develop it right. at the age of 20, which was his case. Uh, what are their illnesses? You know, there's there's times where it he's normal. There's times where he's, you know, he'll have a, a, a psychotic episode um, or a relapse. Uh, I 
But the most important thing out of all that was I tried to make him feel safe. I tried to tell him that nothing is wrong with him and that he's normal and, you know, he's going to overcome this, but he has to put in the effort. He right. has to comply, whether that's medication or outpatient treatment, um, you know, uh, sobriety. He has to put in his effort. And one thing that I really focused on was getting rid of the stigma of mental illness. Because at a young age, no one wants to be labeled me mentally ill. No one wants to be taking medication while, you know, while none of your friends can relate to that. You know, and plus with the side effects that these medications bring along, no one, they, it's it's just not ideal. So they just avoid it. And that, that, that's what happened to my father. Uh, from what I understand, uh, you know, they gave him in the hospital, they gave him the wrong medications. And, and that's, that's, we know what happened. That so that's, that's what it is, you know. And, and that's why I bring that, that up. I told you my first episode, I'm, I'm, I'm glad this is, you're, you're like, I'm, I was like, I can't wait to interview one because these people are like, what the hell is this podcast about? <laughs> I'm going to talk about some serious stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from what I know that, that I have, I'm not saying that's the only reason for suicide, but, uh, you know, and, and you and I having this conversation and we'll get back on track, but I want to ask you, not just based on your brother, but it's a general question. But if you were to address the audience and, and, and anyone else out there that has a similar situation like you and your, and your brother, what would you tell them like to, you know, what could they do um, from your experience to, to help them to get to get to seek help to to avoid maybe something you know traumatic happening or them making a, a bad decision that could cost them their life, if that makes sense? Speaking from experience, number one, you cannot get angry. If they're not doing what you're telling them to do, um, if they're not uh, complying, if they're doing all the wrong things, you cannot get angry. You cannot, you, you can't be, you can't resort to, to violence either because you want to help them. And if you get into a fight, uh, like a physical fight, you're going to set yourself way back. So you have to be very patient. You have to tr maybe treat it with comedy. You know, if they're saying stuff that's so crazy and so, you know, unreal, you know, laugh. Right. My brother would always, one time my brother was uh, was staring at me and then click, clicking, clacking on the on the keyboard because he had a laptop in front of him. Right. And then he's staring at my eyes as he's typing. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm hacking your brain. <laughs> <laughs> And that that just made me laugh. That I was just, laugh. I was just saying something to someone the other day about that, about like who was it? What was it about? Oh, I was on uh, I was on Clubhouse and I created a room, and the room was about. I told you about Clubhouse, yeah, right? Yeah, I get on there and so I have fun with it, and it's kind of how I, you know, I, I've always been, I was in theater and I sang growing up, but I like Clubhouse because it prepared me for this this podcast. But what's interesting is I get on there and I, I like to mess around. It's you know it's fun, and the the topic it was like last night, two nights ago. Is the, the topic was is is it was like late night. Why do people take things so serious? And I got I got like 10, 15 people to come through. And the idea was that we don't, not, this is everybody, we, we really do take things serious and we just don't, like, I, I give you an example. What my example was, because I was the moderator leading the room, when we, when we, my, my friend actually texted me a day in the interview. When we would get back from a firefight, for example, in Afghanistan, we would just laugh. 
And it might seem so psychotic, but it was just the funniest shit because it's just like you just made it through something really crazy yeah. and you just laugh. Yeah. And I think that's, I believe that's the issue and not just the states in the world. We don't just laugh. You cannot take life that serious. I mean, I'm saying there are serious, it, life is serious, right? Yeah. But we have to really take a step back and say, you know what, F it, you know, we're going to laugh about this. Would you would you would you, would you have, any, have any thoughts about about that your life? I mean, I I, I agree, man. It's just it, it's it's hard. It's, it's easier said than done because you know you're we're in this country we're we're just surrounded by so much pressure and so much anxiety, and we we don't know how to cope. You know, we don't we we don't know how to deal with it, and we just let it digest and and then you know it, internally it, it, it's. It gets it gets worse. Sort of, we sort of spiral down. Right. You know, um, there's a good coping mechanism. It's called CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. Um, and I don't want to get too much into it, but it helps you if if you're if you're going through a dilemma or an issue, it helps you to sort of like conduct an internal checklist in your brain. Right. To stop that. To stop the the uh, the cycle of, of, of negative of negative uh, thinking, and but yeah, going back to to what you're saying, we we don't we we don't take a a, a moment to like laugh and reflect. I mean, but, but kind of, but your 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 scenario is different. Like who if me? I, if I were to like be, who me? Yeah, if I was to be I, like in a crossfire with like yeah, you know, it's wild. Enemy that and you, survive it. Yeah, yeah. it's wild. We've been the guy. He actually texted me before you came over here. My friend, I'm interviewing, and he's the one I told. We won't we'll, we'll say it on it. We won't say it right now. But he's the one I told you about that about that situation that happened between us in Afghanistan. Uh-huh. And like he's my boy, and it's just like we look back at that now, and it's like I can't wait to have him on. But it, it's like what I told you. It's like we we laughed about that. How crazy and the irony, and it might sound psychotic and crazy to 95 percent of the people in the world. But like we look at it and we're like, dude, we we're alive. And it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it's crazy at all. I, I think a lot of people have similar like experiences when uh, you know they meet an old buddy and and oh, remember that time where we broke into that car and the police chased us? Right. Like, you know, like <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You know, like yeah. When you go through like such a, a dramatic a, experience, dramatic experience, and survive it, um, yeah. and live to tell about it. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna it better bring back laughter. Shit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I know we, you got to run. I get, I have a couple more questions. Wrap it up here. So I mean, we're gonna get into the to, like I, I like to say we had, we had the storm. We we're, the, the 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 sun's coming out. So we're gonna give a lot of good feedback to people here. No, but lastly, I just want to a couple more things. Uh, the most challenging experience for you, and you kind of already obviously spoke about it, but. You could be the pastor today, just personally for one. Not, not you know. We already talked about that, but so far, it could be current. It could be in the past. What's what's the most challenging thing, per, if you don't mind sharing? The the number one um, challenging experience was when I could not have my brother live with me anymore. You know, he he didn't have he lost he he lost his um, the home where he was living at. So I let him sleep on my couch. While he was going through his, uh, his his mental illness and me not knowing what was going on, me telling him, "Hey, snap out of it, get you know, like get normal," not understanding, not having compassion, um, frustrated as hell, 
I I grab I packed his bags full of little the little clothes that he had, and I dropped them off at the at the homeless shelter. And it like I remember him getting out of the car and walking towards the doors of the of the, of the building, and I'm just crying. I'm just like I, I can't believe this is real life. You know, my, my brother is walking into a homeless shelter, and and I'm allowing it. It, it, it was a it was a really trauma like not traumatized, but it was just sad. It was just so sad because this is my blood. This is, you know, this is someone who I've been around his whole life, my whole life. We're only four years apart, and and to see him just spiral down, and and it felt like I abandoned him. So me abandoning my brother was one of the the hardest moments in my life because, you know, I I just didn't have I didn't have any understanding of what was going on with him. I just felt like he had to hit rock bottom and he had to learn, and that that to me was was, was really sad. All right, I appreciate it. So today, what's uh, what's your life look like today in in terms of family work, dating? Uh, what 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 keeps you from all that? Because like I said, like I look at it like this, you know, I have the triangle. I'm sure I shared that pyramid with you. Yeah. Kind of like my motto when I became became uh, created this podcast, uh, you know, the pyramid of life. And what I, for me, it's a, it's different for me. But just, you know, I know you, I sent it to you, and for me, it's like the the bottom, you know, the the layers of the pyramid, the blocks for me are traumatic PTSD, things I go through in my life didn't just happen when I was younger, not just the war, it's two different distinctions. And then, you know, on the side, the next block up, you have, uh, you know, growth, development, uh, you know, therapy, cooking, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, playing a sport, uh, you know, uh, like I said, exercising, you know, going back to school like you do. You know, that's self-development. And then at the end, I look, and that's my pyramid. At the end of the top block is entrepreneurship. Now, a lot of people, and just cliche, and I say this a bunch of times, for me, entrepreneurship, people say, it's, it's you know, I had a business when I was 22. I'm not going to get into that. But that the last 10 to 15 years, it's crazy. Because people think about entrepreneurship, they think, they think about just money. For me, it's, it's more than just that. It's freedom. It's freedom for yourself to go out and do what you want to do. It doesn't mean you have to specifically work for someone. So you don't need to go into that. I just want to get like an idea as we, we come in, we kind of close it out here shortly on, on, on what you have going on and, and what, what your life looks like today. Man, uh, I know it's a fully loaded question. Is it, yeah, it's (laughs) overall, it's going amazing. I got, I got, I got uh, a good career, and I'm at the infancy of my career doing IT. Um, I took a long hiatus of, of school, but I just registered for the fall. And congratulations! Thank you, man. And I, I found my 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 calling. You know, I, I'm, I'm I'm dude. I'm taking um, programming courses. The reason why I'm going back to school and why it's going so great and why I'm so happy is because I failed at school eight years ago. I didn't know why. I didn't know why I couldn't pay attention. I don't know why I would always daydream a lot. In my mid-20s, I found out I was ADD. Oh, you were? Yeah. And it all made sense. I'm inattentive. So We've had, you know, I'm like, I don't really care. This is, this is an open podcast. You and I have had some really great conversations. I don't know if you remember in Ibiza. 
and we were out on the balcony. And Ibiza, Ibiza. Do you remember these conversations? Yeah, bro. We've had some like these were the, like, and I was like, did you imagine this is in 2016, 15 that we'd be sitting here? And I remember I was talking. I was like, God, you people don't understand about you. This is why it's important to interview because your brain is so vast. And I remember you, one of the coolest people I talked to. I just remember sitting. We were sitting on the balcony. If you remember, just you and I. Yeah. And it was it was in Ibiza. And we were sitting out there, and we were talking, and we had to. We were talking about, like, I think our fathers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really deep, deep shit. Yeah. And we, and it was like, wow, man, this guy's brain is just so vast. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you have no grudges. You don't. You're, you know, a lot of people are very, uh, very tight, and they're very sensitive. Yeah. You don't have that mindset, you know. And I'm just going back and reflecting on that the, the, that moment. No, thank you. Like, you know, I, I am the type. I like to have meaningful conversations. I hate small. You know that day in Ibiza, Ibiza. Ibiza. Uh, we did have a, we did have a. We had a bunch of conversations. Had, that one in particular, I do, I remember because it was just you and I. We were sitting on a balcony, we we're chilling, and we just had, we, we were talking about the, some of the things that we shared tonight. Yeah. And we were just chilling, and I, and I think it's it's amazing that we can circle back around and speak about that. Yeah, good times, man. Good so, times. A few more questions, and I, I know we got, we got to get you out of here because I know you, we got like five, ten minutes left, okay? Cool. So we want to talk about um, – there's two questions here, but we can run it. So, you know, the overcoming adversity, what would you say to the audience overall, advice you would give – Everything you've been through, people out there, there's a lot of people that are struggling. And for me, I don't want to just put this out there. You know, my big thing is about veteran, and this not this podcast is not just just on veterans. It's on anybody that is going through it and is suffering mentally. Is really there's a lot of people that are really struggling. So, what would you say to the audience about uh, how to how to uh, overcome uh, adversity? Uh, there's a lot of parts to that. Um, there's there there isn't one response that that can that can sort of answer it'll be a solution to all uh number one you got to have someone you can speak with someone you can um you can open up with and 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 cope and help you sort of put things into a different perspective because we need to hear from someone else's angle number two if you're going through a trauma whether you're losing your job you get into a car accident uh, a, a loss you know of a family member um or my instance, you know, a diagnosis of a family member, you have to understand that this is not forever. This is not permanent. It's going to feel like it's permanent. And you, you know, you're going to want to, you're going to want to escape your reality. Do not escape your reality. Do not resort to drinking or doing drugs because that's a temporary fix. And you're going to spiral down and lose everything you got. So that's number two. Do not self-medicate. And and always know this is not this is not what you're going through is is temporary. You have to go you know what? Let me bring back CBT. Cognitive behavioral therapy. If you guys get a chance to ever Google it, please do. Because it explains why we react the way we react. And and if you understand what that is, it'll help you overcome whatever, you know, hardship you're you're enduring. And that's that's number one focus. You have to give yourself time to overcome that hardship. You know, you have to let yourself know, OK, this is what's going on, but this is not going to be forever. I will overcome this. I will be better. And that's that's the only um, that's the only advice I could 
give someone is this is not forever. As cliche as it sounds, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's uh, sunshine at the end of the storm. It's, I won't say that, but, you know, as stupid as it sounds, it, it really does apply. It's, it's only momentarily. I connect with you a lot. And the biggest thing for me in, in this podcast, like I said, it's not all about mental illness. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about investing. There's a lot of different areas. But I appreciate excuse me, appreciate you because you and I have a lot in common. And I'm glad. And I Pray and hope that this is going to affect a lot of people. So lastly, real quick before I, I reach into the last question for you and then close it out, anything, you last words you'd like to say to the audience? Yeah, uh, I think one, one thing that's very important to me is find out finding out what's important to you and what, you know, do you value yourself? For a long time, I, I grew up not... With low low self confidence, low self esteem, I thought I was dumb. I, I I couldn't understand why, in class, I would be the only person with an empty sheet of paper when we're supposed to answer uh, questions from a video. You know, I, I I felt like I was inadequate, and you know, it, and it went it, and all of that was because I would I went on being not being diagnosed with ADD. So. To this day, it messes it messes with my, my self confidence. Sometimes I feel like like do you, I, you feel do, not to interrupt. Do you feel self? I I feel self conscious all the time. Yeah, I feel self conscious. You do feel self conscious. I be in meetings at work, and I want to be invisible. Do you think that's insecurity or is that self conscious? It, it's insecurity, and maybe it's both. I don't right now. I don't know the difference. <laughs> no, I mean self conscious. Mean, I can tell you the difference. But I mean, I, I, I it's. Self-conscious is in your brain. Insecurity is that you know you're basically you're 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 afraid. You know what I mean. Self-conscious yeah. is that you're you're thinking. You're thinking about you overthink. Insecurity is like you're 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 skeptical and you're you're intimidated to make a decision. I don't know if that makes sense. It, no, it, it makes perfect sense. And I I think um, for me it's I I I'm afraid to speak in front of people because there's the because I, I I tend to mind read people, and I tend to uh, think of things that's not really, you know, real. You know, damn, who's the one with schizophrenia here? My brother and me. <laughs> and so, like, you know, and, and like the littlest thing, like if I'm talking and then someone like makes a deep sigh, I'm thinking, oh damn, I, damn, they must be, they must think I'm dumb. You know, like if I'm talking before I talk, I think that. They think I'm dumb, but when I do talk, I I solidify that they think I'm dumb. Right, and you know that's why I'm always a quiet little church mouse in these uh, meetings. So no, so you know uh, I grew up all these years think just not valuing myself, and and when I found out about the reasons that I, I encounter all these hardships, I don't encounter these hardships anymore, and. You know, life is a lot better. So if you're going through life, um, just not confident in yourself. What can people do to reach out? What can they do to like what you've done? You've been, you're, dude, you're freaking, you're amazing. You know, you're the storm and then the sun's outside right now for you. <laughs> how do people get the sun for, how do people get the sun, bro? Because you know, there's a lot of people in a storm. I'm being, I'm being, seriously, yeah. in the metaphor, you know, people like, there's a lot of people hurting. 
And I won't bring this up, and I don't like to be on the downside. For me, you know, a big thing for me, there's about 17, 18 veterans every day that kill themselves. Yeah. And I'm not trying to end it on this is your interview. But for me, you know, you've been through a lot, and you know a lot about mental illness, and I want to end with you in this. What would you say with people, I'm not saying about necessarily suicide, how do we close out, like, what advice and, and from your personal experience would you give the people that are really, really struggling what they can really, really do to seek either therapy or, or outpatient therapy, things of that nature? Um, don't be ashamed of it. It's it's very common than what you think. It, you're not subhuman for going through, um, you know, uh, you're going through what you're going through. You know, mental illness no it, it affects all class all race doesn't matter if you're white brown or pink it's it, someone you know it, it mental illness will a- affect everyone and you can't be ashamed of of seeking therapy seeking help if we break our arm we know what to do we go to the hospital we wrap ourselves in a bandage there's a protocol if uh, if we break our spirit we're told to walk it off we're told to hold it in you know and and that's not what helps us heal the hospitals are not built for for um you know people with broken spirits or people going through a tough time they're they're not they're they're built they're prepared for physical ailments they're not they're not prepared for mental ailments and you know you can't you can't be you, you can't be scared to to seek help. You can't be embarrassed of it or ashamed of it. Accept it. It's more common than you think. It's just that no one talks about it, but everyone goes through it. Appreciate it. So, lastly, before we close out, uh, if anyone wants to reach you, Juan, how, how how do how do they reach you? Oh, you can email me. Okay, and you email. Nope. I have it here. Do you want to just let everybody know? Yeah. So it's Juan Pereira. J U A N P E R E Y R A twenty three at gmail.com Juan thank you so much man we appreciate you stopping by all emotion man we really do appreciate you man I I wanted more time but we went past the the the, the 2100 deadline but yo man your power your story is powerful Uh, myself and others can you know I I personally can relate Uh, it was a pleasure it really was and uh, we look forward to having you back so please be sure Everyone out there in the audience, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at All In Motion Podcast. We're on YouTube and Spotify. We have all the different, uh, all our different platforms on Linktree, uh, Linktree uh, forward slash at uh, All In Motion Podcast. Uh, also, if you would like to contact us, you give feedback, uh, potentially any future uh, topics you'd like to hear about or feedback on how we could be better we would love to hear about it you can email us at allemotionpodcast at gmail.com once again uh thank you again to the audience for staying tuned to this amazing interview Juan, i love you thank you for having me here man i'm jacob harrison and please everybody stay tuned and thank you for listening take care good night god bless <laughs>